Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm your not-French host, Lewis McParlin, and today I'm joined by three not-French guests to discuss four of the matches set to be played this weekend in the very French top division of France. Doesn't really sound like a word anymore. Uh, today I have Mr. Thomas Wiseman, GFFN's favourite Onji fan on the show. And you know, I've started to hear other people uh, say that about you, Thomas, uh, but those people are me in the mirror. Uh, my <laughs> second guest on the other end of a microphone, very far away from me at the moment, is Mr. Clinton McDubus. His Twitter handle is at Sarah Brown, and you should follow him over there if you want your timeline to be quickly filled with musings about Valencia and nothing much else. Uh, and my third and final guest is Mr. Jake Smales. And you have to watch how you say his surname, because if you say it fast enough, it does sound like an insult. So, gents, <laughs> uh, we've all had... A... You've got to grow up with it. Oh, there, there's a guy... Um, oh, who... don't there's I know a... it. There's a guy who um, lives near me, or there's like a family in Hamilton that lives near us, and they are they are their their surname is called S is spelt S M E L L I E Smelly, uh, but they all go around <laughs> saying no, it's it's Smiley, and everyone's like. Yeah, I'm not sure about it. You're, you're pretty damn smelly, that's what you are. Um, and that, that's, that's what kind of smells is to me. Well, it's... full sympathy. <laughs> so, so, we are back following the international break. And sometimes I feel, you know, and this happens sometimes with players that maybe aren't playing international matches. You you relax for a little bit too long, you know, a week off, and you can sometimes seize up and, and lose some fitness. Um, I always remember a story about a player who used to play up in Scotland. He, he played in Everton as well, so some of you guys might know him. Um, David Weir, he played for Falford oh, yeah. yeah. Rangers up here. Yeah. Uh, well, he was playing for Rangers up until he was like 41, 42. Similar to like Hilton right now at um, Montpellier. Uh, but he used to not have breaks over the summer, uh, like towards the end of his career, because if he didn't play for like two and a half months, three months over the summer, he would just seize up and he would he would just retire. He couldn't play another season. So he would go down south and play with like amateur teams over the summer to like keep his legs moving wow. and things like that, which I just, I just find hilarious. He was such That's an... amazing. Like, I feel like Hilton's a little bit more of a fit guy. You can kind of see like a big guy, but it's like David Weir was just this... Just he's like he's like the same build as like Arsene Wenger, like just big tall and lanky. Um, yeah, and and he's who he's who I was thinking of when I was when I was writing this, just about like international breaks and season up. The reason I've been talking about season up and and fitness and all that and having a, the to keep up is that there were an article released on uh, not the GFFN website, uh, but it is a great website that you should read. And I do not have a gun against my head while I'm saying this, uh, but this was an article released on just the Ligue 1, the Ligue 1 website. Uh, and it was talking about uh, like fitness in in Ligue 1 and what players are run the furthest and all this and, and made the most sprints and whatnot. Before I go on to ask you a few questions about it, did anyone see this article or can I just keep going? Oh, I did not. Yes. Thomas, you did. Yeah, of course, I saw some of it because it's obviously orange. <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> Don't say the answer. I'm just about to play ask. <laughs> right, okay, so I can, I, right, right, thanks, Tom, so I can't ask the first one, right, so Tom, so you can shut up for the next, like, two minutes while I ask my great quiz questions, so, Mr. Smales, Mr. McDubbus, uh, what I was going to ask you was, collectively, as a team, which side has ran the furthest this season, you don't get any points for answering it, because big, fat-mouthed Wiseman just gave it away, but it was <laughs> Andre, um with... <laughs> 1,506 kilometres ran this season collectively, which is pretty sick. Um, Thomas, I don't want your answer for this one, but could you imagine which player has ran the furthest on average every game? Um, So this is not furthest in one match, this is like on average every match who has run the furthest. I I had a bit of difficulty thinking about this because I was like, it won't just be like a winger. It's got to be someone in the middle of the pitch who's shifting all the time, not necessarily making sprints. Have you you got any idea of who that would be, um, Jake and Clinton? Uh, Can I make two guesses? (laughs) You may make two guesses. Okay, uh, I'll go for Benjamin Andre and Baptiste Santa Maria. I, I was going to go for Santa Maria. How did you two see this or something? Was this more popular than I realised? Because <laughs> it's absolutely on Jay's back to Santa Maria. Full points, to uh, everyone. <laughs> you, 
Oh, classic. Um, I, I didn't know. I'm just, you know, excellent. Clearly very observant. And, and finally, the <laughs> most sprints this season. Who do you think has made the most sprints in League Boon so far? Um, again, I, I was thinking of something like it won't be a kind of short, wily dribbler. It'll definitely be like like a winger who's just big and tall and just gets the ball lofted to him. Um, so who do you think has made the most sprints this season in Ligue 1? I can reveal that it's 235. Once again, Thomas, shut your mouth. <laughs> oh, that's such a tough one. I'm going to push the boat out and go for Denny Buanga of Saint-Étienne. Interesting, interesting. Not right, but interesting, interesting. Uh, Clinton? Anger Di Maria. <laughs> Anger Di Maria, he doesn't run the little short leg straight Argentina. It's Bunasar. <laughs> Bunasar's <laughs> always run. Uh, just... uh, uh, you got to think uh, about yeah, <laughs> you got to think just loft the yeah, ball up and best. And some, a lot of time he's playing on the wing this season, so like, you know. Um, he runs aimless. Yeah, like, so. He does. He does. <laughs> it's it's all the big tall frame guys like Usain Bolt that you don't expect that much of. Um, second place was Andre's Matias Pereira Laja, ah. uh, two hundred and ten. Ah. So it shows that Andre are running quite a lot this season, um, especially really? running quite far down the table. Uh, right, let's. We we had to had to get in there. Uh, right, let's go on to our first match of the episode, and this is going to be uh, previewing PSG's match against Lille uh, tomorrow. It's a it's a Friday night match um, between PSG and Lille. Last season, this was one of the biggest games of the season, to be honest, as Lille finished second. But it's a little bit of a different sport story this time round. PSG currently sit first with Lille. In fifth, Jake, the last few matches that PSG played just before the international break were a 1-0 win over Bruges, a, a 2-1 win over Stade Brestois, and then, or before that, a 2-1 defeat to Dijon. Did it look as if they were really in need of a break, in need of a rest? I think you can argue that to a certain extent. Um, you know, it's been a relatively congested start to the season for, for PSG and Tuchel's had some some injuries to contend with here or there um, and um, you know that will have had had some effect on the squad overall but generally speaking I just think maybe there's an element of PSG not needing to get into full gear at the moment you know given the inconsistency of the other teams in the league uh, beneath them you know they're already um, what eight points clear um um, which we didn't necessarily expect, or I certainly didn't necessarily expect at this stage of the season. So I think there's just an element of of they of not needing to step up into the kind of top gear. You know, we've seen them do that in the bigger matches this season in the Champions League and also against Marseille in the Classique. But um, I I think it's more a case of you know PSG not necessarily needing to to to, to fire on all cylinders to to maintain their position on the top of the league. Do you think it's been a little bit of like um, uh, complacency from PSG? You know, playing teams like Dijon, like Bruges, uh, like Brest, not extremely high-profile sides in Ligue 1 and their Champions League group. Do you think that kind of complacency was epitomised in that Dijon match? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. You know, they've already got more league defeats at this stage of the season than they had kind of really late on last year. I can't remember the exact the exact uh, date. Um, which is definitely uh, definitely complacency. And as I say, I think it will be on those players' minds that, look, we haven't got a serious contender in the league this year. Um, and um, as a result, you know, they really don't need to, don't need to, to, to be 100% in every game at the moment uh, to, uh, you know, they can afford the odd slip at this point in time. Hmm. And it seems as if this this parasite seems to go from oh yeah they're so good one of the best PSG teams in recent years to oh wow you know losing against Rams losing against Rennes you only scraping past Bruges and Brest and losing to Dijon I mean I remember when um, Philip Barzil a, a PSG season ticket holder was on a few a show a few weeks ago and he was saying that I think it was after the Rams defeat and he was just like oh you know fans aren't overly impressed. 
Thomas, right now, coming into you know the last stretch before Christmas, where do PSG sit for you in that in that kind of judgment? You know, are they oh super super great at the moment, or are they a little bit underwhelming? Yeah, they've they've always had this this complacency when it comes to um, games of, of of I mean less importance um, and against um, lower quality opposition. Uh, it is. I mean, it's it's frustrating. I think for any 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 um, even a PSG spotter um, watching the league, because we've got good there's, there's there's good teams in the league, but it's just everybody's so inconsistent, um, uh, and it's very very competitive below PSG. But when you look at some of the the squads and the teams like Leon, for example, you think how are they not just completely mm. out there in, in second place? But obviously they've had their um, issues, um, but for PSG, I think approaching a match like this, I mean, we all remember last time they played, Lil humiliated them five <laughs> so, one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they do tend to uh, turn up quite well in these bigger games, and I think they'll want to um, right a few wrongs against Lil. Mm. But if if the situation is if PSG, you know, this will be at the part de France for PSG, where they have not even just under Tuchel, but just, you know, ever since the, the they kind of got bought over, the stadium's just been an absolute fortress for them. I mean, I don't know the statistics on it, but it's just they hardly ever lose when playing in front of their own fans, and even less when it's in Ligue 1. But if PSG, you know, host Lille this weekend and absolutely slap them, 4-0, 5-0, you know, as they've done to Marseille, as they've done to Nice, as they've done to, to Real Madrid and, and, and so many teams this season, if they just go and absolutely demolish them in a, in a game that, well, at least last year, was very tight, does that just show that the league's over, season's over, it's it's November and, and the title's already decided? Clinton, what do you think about that? Well, uh, obviously we expect uh, PSG to win the title because... They are overwhelming favourites, but um, and it will feel like that if they're able to beat Lille, like as usual, like the way they've been beating every other you know big team that have come. But um, at the same time, I think that um, leagues aren't won in November. Obviously, we know that um, there doesn't seem to be any team currently who have their you know everything together to be able to you know be consistent enough to put up a challenge so far. Um, the teams are expected to be consistent and you know to really challenge Lyon, Saint Etienne. They're just you know they've not really been good, so uh, or consistent rather. So um, it's it's hard to see past PSG, and it's very easy to reach that conclusion that you know they're going to keep it obviously over by November. But uh, I still think that um, it's better to just be patient uh, before we can say that we should at least see till February. Or March, because um, I I do think that PSG are going to win the title, but um, I'm still looking at Marseille also. Remember that uh, Marseille are not playing in Europe, and they are going to get stronger. Especially when Tovin is back and all of that, and now they are second. Um, if it was probably um, Rhymes in second, I'd say okay, okay, that's it, hmm. it's over. But we're seeing Santetien, you know, getting back. They're now fourth. Uh, just nine points behind PSG. I said just, like it's not a big deal, but it's <laughs> just nine points anyway. Uh, we are seeing Marseille in second. Um, and we're seeing, okay, we've not yet seen the resurgence, but there's every likelihood that Lyon will also you know, see a resurgence soon. So, and Monaco as well. So um, I don't think it's over. I don't think we can you know, draw that conclusion yet. I think we should just wait till next year. <laughs> Jake, do you think the season's over? I mean, I completely agree with Clinton. I think you, you should never decide the, the league winners in November because there's still a long way to go and we don't know what's going to happen. But I really can't see past PSG in, in May, you know. So so I I would say to say it's over kind of seems a little bit, a little bit, uh, a bit too much, going a bit too far. But But certainly I think the title is PSG's or will be PSG's come May. 
Right. So PSG do have a, a, a couple injury concerns, though, coming into this match. Uh, Neymar is said to be in the squad for the game, but, you know, he has had injury concerns as of late and probably won't just be chucked into, into the starting lineup. But a player that will definitely not feature in this game is Marco Verratti, an Italian midfielder who's just been an incredible player for PSG, not even this season, but just whenever, ever since he's been at the club. Um, a core part of their midfield, someone who will have to miss out this match, a potentially very important game against Lille. Thomas, who would you like to see replace Verratti? Um, someone that kind of sprung to mind for me, or at least someone who should maybe give, be given another opportunity, is Adil Aushishi, the the seventeen year old centre mid who was so crucial in France's in the under seventeens team France's road to the semi final mm. in the under seventeens European Championships. I mean Aushishi, who's centre mid, central attacking mid. Uh, small frame. He he made his first start for PSG a few weeks ago against Mets uh, in a pretty comfortable win uh, for PSG. It was a two 0 win, but Aoshishi was you know he, he was he looked a little bit out of his depth. He wasn't fantastic in that game, but in the under 17s he was so impressive. He scored nine goals in five games. He's not mm. even an out and out striker, and he has matched the scoring record in a single UEFA competition of Michel Platini, but also female players, Elena Danilova and Shakira Martinez. You know, he's in amongst some some very lofty company. Thomas, should he be given an oppor- another opportunity, another start, or is this, is this uh, occasion just way too big to put a teenager into? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd agree probably um, will feature probably more during the course of the season, but um, he's only, I think he's only just come back from the under 17 World Cup, so he's probably a, um, a bit fatigued fitness wise um, to, to get into the squad for this game. Uh, he could be on the bench, and I mean, without Verratti there, who do they actually, I mean, <laughs> do they play Paredes again? Because I don't know how many more, more chances he gets <laughs> in, yeah. well, not more chances, it's, it's I think a lot of the PSG fan base have sort of written him off already. Yeah, but, but it's, you can't blame them. When has he ever stood up and put in a really great performance? Yeah. I can't think yeah. of one springs to mind, like an actual, oh, wow, he, no, he was really good in that game. It's always a little bit, there's always asterisks around him, I feel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know who else can replace that Verratti position. I don't think you you really do. Um, I think you just leave it until he comes back and, and try and figure out some other way to to start your midfield. I mean, it should be said that um, Herrera will also be, under Herrera will also be uh, injured for this match, but I don't know if they, I imagine they probably will put Predas in, but I don't know if you could look at Draxler even in that position where he has sometimes featured. But, you know, it's, 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 it's a little bit thin in that position with the injury issues that they have mm. at the moment. Uh, let's talk about their opponents, Lille. And I feel you can't talk about Lille uh, this week, especially without mentioning some of their staff that has left to join Josie Mourinho at Tottenham Hotspur. Mm. Uh, Christophe Galtier lost his assistant and and his his kind of opposition advisor, uh, Gio Sacramento, and also the goalkeeping coach, Nuno Santos. They both Mm. left for North London this week. And there's been rumours that sporting director, director of football, technical director, whatever you want to say about it, super scout, Luis Campos could also go the same way. Although there's been conflicting reports. I've seen some that say, yeah, he's definitely going, and I've seen some that say, no, he's definitely not. Um, Lavada Nord, I think, was saying that he won't be joining, whereas mm. other people have disagreed with that. Jake, if Campos does go to England and, and leave Lille, how much of a loss would that be for the dog? It would be a huge loss. I personally, for the kind of club that the, the, the kind of project that Lille is and the kind of budget that they have there's there's not a kind of established sporting director out there who's who's better or who's proven themselves better at, at, at that operating model than than Luis Campos in recent years um he's supposedly good friends with with uh, Jose Mourinho and you can imagine that a, a project like what's going on at Spurs would be would be extremely alluring if it does come along um, if it does turn out to be the, the the links do turn out to be serious, 
Um, but I think it would be—I think it would be really bad, and that Lille would really struggle to replace replace him because of the the value that he brings, and not only in terms of scouting talented players, but the financial benefit of the 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 players that he does identify. These kind of players that he plucks out of out of nowhere or out of um, uh, kind of under the noses of other clubs, and then turns them into into these uh, extremely valuable players. I mean, you look at how much the club got for just just Nicola Pepe last summer, you know, and that was a lot of uh, his, his, his coming to Lille was, uh, was, was, was under the guidance of Luis Campos. So yeah, it would be a, it would be a massive blow. And I, I actually think that the, the existing staff leaving is already a, a big hit to Lille, especially uh, Joao Sacramento, because not only is he Gautier's assistant, but he's an extremely tactically astute uh, opposition advisor, you know, and which is why Mourinho's plucked him. Mourinho is a guy who, has had a lot of press um, in the last couple of years about needing, about falling behind in the game, about needing to kind of tactically reinvent himself if he does come back to a big club. And and Sacramento coming in as his assistant is a massive part of that because of what he offers tactically and and what he's offered Lille tactically over recent years as a transition from the kind of madness of Bielsa ball into into the Christophe Galtier regime. So so yeah, I think that's a big blow and and losing Campos. Um, although, as you say, Lewis, it's not by any means uh, um, certain. If hypothetic, even hypothetically, it's a, it's a huge blow to the club. So uh, uh, Lille's season hasn't been incredible so far, anyway. Um, not even regarding these 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 losses of Sacramento, Santos, and possibly Campos. Just on the pitch, it's not been fantastic. A little bit underwhelming in the Champions League. And ever so slightly underwhelming in in the league as well. But specifically, you know, it's fine to talk about the team as a whole. But specifically, I want to know who, as a, as a player, has disappointed you this season for Lille. It can either be a player that joined in the summer, uh, or it can be a player that was there last season and performance levels has just really dropped off a cliff. Um, a few players have done that at Lille this season. Clinton, I want to start with you. Who has really disappointed you for Le Dog this season? Uh, definitely Jonathan Bamba. Uh, with Pepe's exit, you know, a lot was expected of him and Ikone. And of course, Ikone has shown that you know he's ready to step up. But we haven't really seen much from Jonathan Bamba so far. He has been quite disappointing and he really just hasn't stepped up to the plate. Hopefully, we see something better over this season, but it's not looking good at all. It's just been poor. Thomas, who's really been underwhelming for you? Clinton stole my, stole my pick. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think I think Bamba, we, we all thought he would step up for Pepe um, or, or at least fill some of the more the goal-scoring role. Um, but he just failed. I think taking Pepe out of that, that, that dangerous front line of him and and Nikoni as well has really um, uh, put, sort of set them back and affected them. Uh, there's not, there's not, there's no, there's not as much excitement or dynamism in any of their interplay um, together because there's, there's obviously a piece missing. Mm. Jake, are you going to just echo what they both said? <laughs> it is, it is a complete full house. I'm afraid. I, oh. I, yeah, I know. Sorry to be, uh, to be boring, but I, I, I really expected Jonathan Bamba to be the guy to, to pick up the mantle for, for uh, Nick, uh, the Nicola Pepe mantle uh, this season in terms of like direct contributions to the team, and he just hasn't done that, and he's not really looked kind of. I think, as the others pointed out, taking uh, Pepe out of the equation means that you know. Those, though, although Ikone has been been great, continued his great form into this season. I think it's kind of disrupted um, disrupted uh, Bamba's development ever so slightly, not being a part of that front three. And just just to like a little kind of bonus, I would also say that I've found Zeki Celik a little bit disappointing this season. Um, I think he's kind of been a bit more inconsistent, and I thought he was terrific last season, but he's looked a bit more shaky when I have seen him, uh, especially defensively, um, more recently. Mm. I have to say, I've also been quite disappointed by Bamba. Um, I didn't know we were all just going to see the same result, but I guess that's just how evident it's been. Like last season, some of the performances he was putting in, now that you could probably look on upon reflection, were largely down to his connection with Pepe. But you know, it's still he, he was such a a dynamic, aggressive, quick player last season. 
and this campaign has just been so different. I'll, I'll mix it up as well. I'll also throw um, Luis Araujo into that into that bucket. Earlier on in the season, he was kind of coming up as if like, oh, okay, he could maybe be the replacement for Pepe. You know, he scored two goals, I think, quite early on in the mm, campaign. Yeah. But he's just completely fallen out the plans, fallen out the plans in Galtier. And I think that's more his fault than anyone else's. He was given more ample opportunities, a real opportunity to um, go and, and fill the, the place left by by Pepe. I mean, it's not as if they did loads of replacements for Pepe. Yazissi's really was the only guy brought in. You know, there was still the opportunity there, and Araujo just hasn't taken that. It's quite it's quite sad because he has the capability to do so. He has shown that in a few matches, but mm. just not on a, not on a consistent enough basis. You know, it's it's, it's difficult to watch. Uh, so I want your score predictions for this match, gentlemen. Uh, this crucial game, or you could say crucial in in some senses, uh, between PSG and Lille. Thomas, what do you think this match is going to finish? Uh, I'm going to say two uh, 0 PSG. Clinton? Uh, 3-1. 3-1. To Lille? Yes. Wow, that's insane. <laughs> you know, that that's crazy, man. Luis Araujo is going to be absolutely turned on. Luis Araujo hat trick. I agree with, uh, with Clinton that the 3-1 to PSG. Um, yeah, because PSG do just step up in these games. So I think, yeah, I think 3-1 to the Parisians. Yeah, that, that's what I've got written down as well. I do think Lille will get on the score sheet because PSG have looked a little bit defensively insecure in recent weeks. But ultimately, I don't see PSG losing this match at home. You know, and, and like you say, they, they always turn up their, their performance levels when it really matters. Um, so yeah, I, I can definitely see them winning that match. Uh, the second game we're going to cover is Lyon versus Nice. Now, this is a, a lower mid-table clash that could go a long way hmm. in achieving survival for either team uh, <laughs> involved in this match. Clinton, I, I want to know, you know, these both these teams have been disappointing. I feel like that's been the word of the episode so far, uh, but have been, you know, underwhelming, disappointing this season. But who has disappointed you more out of these two teams, Leon and Nice Clinton. You know, you have to bear in mind the money that's been put into Nice, uh, but also the, the money invested in Leon's playing squad during the summer. So who has disappointed you a little bit more this season, Clinton? Uh, definitely Leon. I can't I can't I can't look past them because um hmm. when they started the season, okay, before the season started, I, I would say uh, in fact from last season I'd been saying that um Leon really have no excuse for not at least challenging for the title. They have, you know, the players to do it. I, I even made a thread about it and the kind of silly points they were dropping last season. So um, when summer came and there was the managerial change, obviously I, I expected a bigger, you know, or a more or a less underwhelming, you know, um, appointment. And then they went to Sylvania and I. I was hoping that, you know, they'll be able to challenge for the title this season and finally, finally, you know, be up there. And then the season started and they were just, they slapped the two, um, they slapped the two teams they played against in the first two games, Angers 6-0 and, and the other game 3-0, I think it was Monaco, yeah? And yeah. after that, I was like, my expectations just hit the roof. I was saying that, okay, finally, it seems like... It's finally about to happen. I was so excited because I really wanted to see a very exciting title race. And then after that, it was just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And I, I don't like when I get disappointed like that. Very, very. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm, I'm going with that. Okay, uh, that's probably a, a pretty common answer as well. We'll come on to Nice in just, in just a moment because they've really disappointed me as well. Um, but... Jake Rudy Garcia. He's had six games in chi- in la, la, la. He's had six games in charge now. Has your opinion changed on him since he joined the club? Not really. No, <laughs> is the short answer. I think he's he's kind of doing as I sort of expected him to do uh, up to this point. You know, we're six games in, and he's got a couple of um, he's got. Um, well, a decent result in the Champions League, you know, in that home win against uh, Benfica. He's got a couple of wins in the league. Uh, but, you know, the, the game against Marseille and that, that away game against Benfica, we're kind of seeing 
the 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 negatives of uh, of his kind of more recent managerial stints, the the kind of more rigid tactics, the uh, setting his team up slightly more negatively than the kind of cavalier Lille and early early day Roma sides that that he uh, he kind of masterminded before. Um, and you know we're seeing we're still also still seeing a lot of kind of the Marseille Garcia coming out and complaining. You know even this week he was coming out and he was. He was almost getting, you got a sense that he was getting the excuses in early in the way that he was talking about Depay's injury that he picked up with the Netherlands and saying, you know, it's a disgrace. He shouldn't have been playing this uh, this against in a game that didn't matter internationally and that this, you know, this could have repercussions for, for Lyon. So, you know, I think he's doing, I think he's done a fine job so far. I think the defeat in the Classique is, and uh, sorry, against Marseille uh, in the Olympic, the Olympico derby is pretty, pretty, um, pretty damning um but uh you know he's doing okay so far i would say and 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 okay is kind of what i anticipated for now before things inevitably kind of start to unravel in the long term thomas do you agree with that yeah um i can't say much more but yeah it's been so i think we expected this kind of um results happen i mean I think the only guy who didn't expect this was Jean-Michel Olas. Like, (laughs) everyone else could just, like, see that this was going to be the just standard, this kind of mediocrity that that Leon fans and their players don't deserve because they've Mm. got the potential to go much further than that, you know? Have they they been worse than they were under Slovenia? I don't think so. I think they've been much better. Mm. Um, I think you, you mentioned about how it's still rigid tactics, but, I mean, Slovenia didn't let the fullbacks progress at all um and I've, I've seen i've seen dubois move beyond the halfway line so yeah that's true in, in, in that sense it's revolutionary yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's it's i i think i expect leon to be um high up the table come the end of the season uh i mean given one or two games they might be there already mm. never know and a, a decision was made by Rudy Garcia in midweek and with him deciding who his captain would be for the rest of the season. And he went with playboy Memphis Depay, rapper, <laughs> footballer, winger. Instagram he, celeb. Instagram celeb. Where, where else can we go to? Um, bling master. Memphis bling Depay. Master. He's pretty blingy. He's pretty blingy. It, he's very blingy. Yeah. Um, He's cool guy. He's the kind of guy you kind of want to be pals with, but you don't want to be your club oh, captain. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so he got announced as the club captain, which I thought was a little bit strange, um, purely because I believe it's just the general consensus that Depay is just using this season to get a better deal elsewhere. We talked about this earlier in the season. Like He has talked in the past about playing for a bigger club, and that deal never really came. And he has played really well this season, but I feel that's just because he's so determined to to move next summer. Probably not in the January window, but but next summer. So do you not think that's a little bit strange that he's been handed the armband? Um, or does that just show potentially how short-term this Garcia managerial ship deal as Jake what do you think of this I actually think it makes a lot of sense and and I kind of have to disagree with some of the things I think I think yes that may be Depay's intention but for the first time pretty much in his Leon career he's not really come out and expressed any sort of desire to to move on to a to a bigger club I think he's he's shown a real step up not only in terms of his personal maturity this season um, but also in terms of his kind of com- on the pitch commitment, you know, he was he was brilliant a couple of years ago in his uh, first full season at Lyon in terms of his like coming up with some pretty clutch goals and with his overall scoring tally. But even then, he was pretty inconsistent. And then last season, he kind of was one of their better players and big sometimes when they needed him, but again inconsistent. Whereas he's really been the kind of well alongside arguably uh, Moussa Dembele, but uh, but to another level, I would argue, been the standout player. Um, he's been their kind of leader on the pitch and the champion of, of them on the pitch. And I think a lot of the Leon fans are now a lot more kind of unanimous in their support of the pie. Um, and I think because of the personality that he is, that actually he is, he is, uh, he's an interesting choice to be captain. And I think Garcia has thought about it. He's tried out a few different players and, you know, because uh, of his injury, Dubois is going to be captaining them on the weekend. And uh, he tried out Anthony Lopez, 
who who I would have thought to be you know the the the, the best choice perhaps because of his long long longevity at the club. But Garcia's obviously seen something in Depay, and while I'm obviously I'm not Rudy Garcia's biggest fan, I I like the decision to 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 make Depay captain. I wouldn't have you know even three months ago I would have thought what on earth is going on, but I I'm personally I'm on board with it and excited to see to see what happens uh, now that he's 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 the permanent captain. Clinton, do you, do you agree with that? Do you, are you happy that Depay's been given the armband? I mean, I have to say personally, I I thought Anthony Lopez should have been given it just because he's been less confrontational even before um, Garcia joined, and I just think he's been sure. an extremely consistent player for them in recent years. But uh, Clinton, do you think that Depay was the the right man for this for this choice? Well, I agree with you on Antonio Lopez. I think he probably should have been, you know, the first choice and probably Depay as the you know, vice captain. But at the same time, I, I I think I understand the decision to make Depay captain. And I think that um, also um, Rudy Garcia is probably thinking that more responsibility could actually see Depay, you know, reach a very a higher level and step up because, you know, there are a lot of players like that who thrive on responsibility. The more responsibility they are given, the more or the higher they go in level. And as we've seen, um, we've seen the pie captain, you know, earlier this season. And I don't know, I just feel like it, it has a good effect on him when he feels like mm. he's the guy to make something happen and he has that responsibility. So with the armband, I think it just adds to it and he, he would respond you know, very well. So I, I think I get... Also, I, I also get where Rudy Garcia is coming from, or at least what he's thinking in his head by making the pie captain. I think it's a good choice, even though you know Anton Lopez would probably have been the better choice. Mm. Mm. Uh, let's move on to the opponents in this match. Currently sitting 14th is Nice, and Nice have also disappointed this season. You know that they've had a lot of defeats to you know, Le Mans in the Coupe de la Ligue. Uh, to Strasbourg, to PSG, of course, Nantes, Monaco, Montpellier, Marseille. The list just seems to keep going on. But they did get two better results in their last two games, a 2-0 win over the best defence in, in Ligue 1, Rams, and also a 1-1 draw with uh, you know momentous Bordeaux at the moment. Thomas, would you have taken the international break there as an opportunity to sack Vieira, or do you think that he has done enough and shown enough to deserve a bit more time, even though they've been underperforming? Yeah, I think I, I won't. I won't sack him. I mean, <laughs> the question is, who do you get in to replace him? Even if you try and sack him, and I think Vieira himself might be gone by the end. Of, well, at the end of the season, he might be moving on. Um, but I, I, the last, I mean, <laughs> I, I, the the form they've picked up is kind of because Atal has just come back and <laughs> Atal has started performing. Um, he's obviously had a difficult start to the season. Where, um, he carried through that injury from the the Afghan he picked up with Algeria. Um, but the last two games, you'd be it's difficult to see how Atal wasn't the best player for them. I mean, <clears throat> against. Against um, against Bordeaux, he was the same old Atal we've we've known in the past, and and I think even with all these new players coming in and trying to find their feet and and being slightly inconsistent and and not ready yet to step up, it looks like that Nice have sort of gone back to the old way of seeing. Oh, let's just give it to Atal and see how he does. Mm. <laughs> But for this match, they will be their wayside, and it has to be said that they, ever really since Vieira's come in, strangely, they have just had an awful away form. They've always played um, more last season than this season, of course, but we have seen remnants of it this, this campaign. Been very strong at home, always good. You know, last season, I remember they just had loads of little 1-0 wins, 2-0 wins and yeah. whatnot, but away from home, they can just never recreate that form, and it's it's been the same case this season. Thomas, do you think that could be something that would hold them back in this game against a Leon side who seem quite beatable at the moment? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's difficult with with Nice at the moment because you just don't think they're they're sort of ready as a, as a side. They don't. There's not really a a starting eleven when you look at it and think, "Yep, that's the one 
that's one that's going to take him through the season. Mm. Um, and I'm looking more at Leon thinking, yeah, Garcia is starting to figure out who's best to go where. He's more he's more in tune with his squad that I, than I think Vieira might be at this time. Mm. Yeah, no, there's there's probably a bit more indecision in where you put in where you put who uh, at mm. the moment with Vieira, and it's just trying to like gel in all the new signings still. Yeah, like exactly. I feel like we're still to see the best of Adamunas. Yeah. Um, uh, you could probably say the same a little bit for Dolberg, and definitely for Claude Maurice. Mm. Um, you know, some players that are just still to really hit the ground running. Um, so let's get your score predictions for this one. Thomas, I'll start with you. Who do you think is going to come out victorious in this match between Leon on or and Nice? Or could you see it being a bit of a draw? What's your opinion, Thomas? Uh I think Leon might take this two one. Hmm. Clinton? Two one as well. Um to Leon. <laughs> this time. <laughs> uh, Jake, what do you think this game is going to finish? Yeah, full house. I think it's a 2-1 win for Leon. Mm, I don't know what my opinion is. Because uh, <laughs> they weren't great against Marseille, is what I'm thinking. But Nice just frustratingly never turn up on the road. Um, a part of me thinks that Nice are probably going to actually turn up a little bit in this match. But I'll go with, I'll go with the majority. I'll say, I'll say like... 1-0 or 2-1 as well to, to Leon. I don't see it being a great match, to be honest, just with how both teams have been playing recently. Our third match of the episode is Brest versus Nantes. A, a real Breton derby, but it's going to be the first competitive derby since 2010. Clinton, who comes into this game in better fashion? Neither team have been playing that well recently. Uh, well, um, I think Brest... Um, because Nantes just seem to have a very rough patch, and I think they've lost their last three, four games, and mm. it just doesn't look good for them at this point. I, I think um, Brest will come in more confident, especially because um, even though they lost against PSG, I thought they did very well. I thought they looked like they could even um, have nicked a winner at some point when it was 1-1. Uh, so I think that um, they come in with more confidence, but then again, it's important to remember that the international break always, um, you know, makes messes things up, especially mm. momentum. So even mm. if you know after their last game they were buzzing, um, the international break would have you know made that fade a bit. So it's very very hard to, you know, pick that up again after the break. So if we look at the two teams that were promoted this season, Mets and Brest, I feel like Mets have in some ways over-relied on Habib Diallo. I mean, earlier in the season, it was like they'd scored like 80%. He'd scored like 80% of the goals or something like that. Jake, could you say a similar thing for Yuan Court? I mean, he's got seven assists for this for, for Brest this season and, he's, and has been absolutely their most dangerous player. But is it a one-man band show at Brest right now or is there a little bit more at the club for Letizif? I I think there's a there's a little bit more going on at the club than that. I mean, yes, Johan Kaur has been at the the epicenter of of everything good about Brest this season. You know, he's got two goals and seven assists, so he's been involved with in nine goals. Um, he's been there, their most important player. Like, there's no doubt about that. When we can, we probably thought before the season started that it would be other guys like Gaetan Charbonnier who would step up and and be that role. And and last season he he wasn't really the the go-to guy, whereas this season he he clearly is. Um, uh, stepped up to another level that he hasn't quite reached in his career. But a lot of that is because of Olivier Delolio and the style of football he plays. You know, this is a newly promoted team playing exciting, you know, aggressive attacking football. And as a result, he's getting the most out of this, uh, this kind of more experienced player, um, experienced wide midfielder who in a, normally in a newly promoted side would probably have a more restricted role. But uh, yeah, I think the main good thing about Brest this season is Olivier Dalolio and the football that he's getting his side to play. And uh, that is the most fundamental thing uh, for them right now. So uh, the, their opponents for this match, the visitors in this Breton derby, will be Nantes. Um, 
Christian Gurkus Nolt Seidle Canary uh, will be travelling to Brest and they're you know they're they're very much famed or at least earlier in the season they were famed for their their solid defence you know they're good at the back you got your big boys Palois and Girotto you know a couple guys either side of them who do a good job in not conceding a lot of goals they've conceded seven in the last four and it's kind of all <laughs> fell apart for them recently, as it has for a lot of teams that had very good early season form. I mean, I, mean, I know I joke, but it, it, similar situation ha- has happened at Andre a little bit, um, although not really to this degree. Ouch. But yeah, yeah, gotta say, I only speak, I only speak facts. Jay. Okay, I deal, <laughs> I deal in facts. I don't deal in if buts and maybes. I deal in absolutes. Um, but for this match, non-star men, Palwa and Andre Girotto, will both be unavailable for this game. Thomas, could this be a little bit of a slaughter if, you know, Yuan Kaur and Gaetan Chabonnier for Brest are on form and not have at the heart of their defence Molawag, who hasn't been that good and only really main thing he's done this season was got sent off against Mets after an hour. You know, Thomas, is this the type of game where if Nantes do have Giroto and Palwa, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good game, but without those key players in a big derby, it could get a little bit messy. Yeah, um, I mean, sometimes with with um, Gorkov's teams, he, he tends to just more be a, a system orientated uh, manager than relying on solely on on players. Uh, at least what I've seen. But it does. A Palwiser is um, a very good player for them, and I mean, he's actually a really good passer as well. Um, he's quite underrated his passing. Mm. Ability. I remember one. I remember one pass he did. It must have been last season where he completely. He, he looked like he was going to switch the play, and he just completely controlled his body, switched it, and hit the ball straight straight down the the line, literally on the line. It's about a twenty yard pass or thirty five yard pass. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, it it, um, it it will be a struggle, and and, and Brest. Uh, I, I do like the. Um, I can't remember the stadium's called, but the home home stadium is quite a cool, cool looking one with all the ultras behind the net, and um, yeah, they've got quite a good atmosphere there. So it'll be a, a tricky, a tricky game to go to for none. But um, just to mention for uh, Brest, I don't think I think it's it's typical for a Dalio team to be very good attacking, and it's also typical for them to be not very good in defence. <laughs> and this this is is true for the Brest as well. Because I mean, Larson has been probably the second best keeper in the league so far. I can't think of anybody. Oh, maybe maybe third actually. But he's been very very good anyway. Um, and he's he's kept them in some games. I remember the Andre game. He, he basically won that game for them. Um, he's made countless save after countless save. And and um, he, is he the best under twenty three French goalkeeper? Paul Bernardoni. Nah, don't even come near. Don't even Paul Bernardoni last season was was uh, nah. He was he was Nimi's best player, and I don't even want to talk about it. What? What? Very <laughs> good. Ball. Best... Okay, let's move on. He's also under twenty three with that hairline. I'm sorry, he's not under twenty three. <laughs> I think he is, by the way. No, he. What? No, he is. He is. He is like twenty two, isn't he now or something? I think so. Only. I always mix him up if he's Italian or not. Yeah, he's 22 years old. Yeah. He's incredible. For, I, I just really like him. And I think that, you know, once he goes back to Bordeaux, he'll probably just have their number one shirt. But yeah, I, I loved him last season. I don't know what you're talking about, Thomas. <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> but you've, you've also got to look at like... Okay, no, let's let's move on. Like, I want to talk about that one point, but we're, it's on podcast. <laughs> we're, 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 we're moving on. Uh, right, so you know, wax and lyrical about poor goalkeepers. I want to get your your score predictions for this match, Thomas. I'll start with you. What do you think this game is going to finish? Uh, I think it will be a one um, nil win for Brest because you don't. If you if you're going to play against not, you're either going to lose by one or win by one. So one uh, nil's Brest, and uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, they do. They do very well at keeping the the game tight. Uh, Jake, what do you think this one will finish? Yeah, I was kind of leaning towards a, a two one because of because of how open Brest are to counter attacks and because of Nantes missing their 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 their, their central hinge 
in the fence. Uh, but I think I do. My gut feeling is that this is going to be a one nil as well. And Clinton. <laughs> that was like a velocious just coming out the shadows. I'm going to give you something that um I'm going to give you a prediction that is very different. <laughs> I think Brest win 3-1 and there will be a penalty in this game. You can go bet on it. Wow. How is that? Sell everything. Sell everything you have. Wow. Put a house on, on it. Put it on it. So what, so what, Brest are winning 3-1, you say? Yes. And there'll be a penalty in this game. And there will be a penalty, Jesus. That's we'll like... talk about this next week. Yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> <we'll talk, I'm laughs> Someone mark that. Someone actually keep that in mind. That's, uh, I think this... Yeah, 5-1. 5-1 uh, to Brest. <laughs> 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 Johan Court with five assists. Johan Court, absolutely. And an own goal for Nantes. It's going to be insane. Honestly, what what a game. Did you not see it? Oh, I did. What a game. Um, I think I probably won El Tres. Okay, let's (laughs) move on to our final game, which is Bordeaux's hosting of Monaco. Bordeaux currently sit seventh, while Monaco sit a little bit below them in 11th. But you have to remember the the table right now is very tight. So that could change with just one win could send you quite far up the table. Let's firstly talk about the hosts, Bordeaux. You know, at a club over the last few years that have dotted around several managers, um, you know, who, who jumps to mind, lads, Eric Bedoway, uh, you know, Palsus has come in. What was the old Sunderland boy who was there at the start of last season? Uh, Gus Poyet. Gus Poyet, yeah. and then um, um, the Brazilian guy. Yeah, you had Ricardo and you had uh, Govanec yeah. Go- before that, just like Govanec. You know, they dotted around quite yeah. a few managers but it now seems as if Paolo Sousa is starting to at least become a bit more of a, a trusted man at the helm of, of Bordeaux you know they have been quick to just chuck guys but something about Sousa even though he had an awful start to life uh, at the end of last season not winning many of his matches but since he joined um, they stuck with him you know and he's now the longest serving manager since Jocelyn Gouvernick uh, left in 2018 wow. which, which isn't actually saying a lot to be honest about Bordeaux mm-hmm. but you know you know he's been there a little bit uh, a little bit of a while uh, you can actually find a very good article about it on the GFFN website at getfootballnewsfrance.com it was written by Katie Stockwell and it just talks about Paul Sousa and his time at the club so far but Thomas, what's your opinion on Paulo Sousa? Do, do you think he's done quite well with uh, the squad at Bordeaux, or do you think they should maybe be, you know, aiming a little bit higher, a little bit lower? What's, what's your opinion? Um, I think before the season, um, I can't remember where he put Bordeaux. I think it might be mid-table. Um, but again, like you said, the, the, the table at the moment is just a little bit crazy. But um, I've been impressed with some of the players. They've, I mean. Uh, brought in. I mean, Huang's been really exciting. He's always very energetic and and presses quite well. Um, and he's, he's scored one or two goals goals for them. Um, there's still a couple of issues around um, their defence and some of the uh, younger players they have at the moment. But I mean, Sosa last season was uh, it was poor. It was terrible, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But <laughs> he's had a preseason to work with the players and it. And it it seems like, um, touch wood, <laughs> that Bordeaux are making that they're having steps in the right direction, which which they've been needing for quite a few years um, to go. And their opponents, Monaco, for this game, Monaco, Jake, do you get the idea that sooner or later they're going to be sitting second? I mean, they're 11th right now, but do you think they have the, the capability to go that high in the table? You know, it doesn't seem as if anyone else really wants to to take that second place spot at the moment. Or do you think just just at the moment they're still not 100% capable of being that consistent? It's it's a tough one to call, isn't it? Because of just how inconsistent everyone is this season or sort of consistently in, inconsistent everyone is, I suppose. Um, as, as a Clinton was saying earlier on, I do kind of expect Marseille to maybe kind of find a bit more form and hold on to that second spot. But there's no doubt that in my mind that Monaco are on the up. You know, they've got a few players out with injury, but who are 
set to come back, um, especially like uh, the likes of Fabregas and Bakayoko, who are going to kind of boost those midfield options. Um, they're obviously their front two are, are tearing it up at the moment and um, and doing doing pretty impressive things. But the what I would say is that I am still very concerned about that defence. You know, Camille Glick looked like he was getting being deliberate, deliberately targeted in the last match, and you know, which is weird to see. And he just really wasn't dealing with um, with uh, Dijon's pace at all, uh, with the pace of their attacking players. And I I just think that you know, Badiashil is still young. Um, obviously, um, you know they have other options like Guillermo um, Maripan from um, that they who they signed from Alaves and who started the last game. But I, yeah, I don't know. I'm still not convinced by that defence. I think yes, they're on the up, but I, I think to 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 say that they're going to kind of they're on target for that second spot is maybe a, a, a bit of a bridge too far uh, at the moment. But I definitely feel like the, the rate that some other teams are going, you know, they look like they're on the up more than say. Your Leons, for example. So, uh, so yeah, I think they can be optimistic that because of how close things are at the moment, they can they can still aim despite their torrid start to the season to 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 finish in that top three. And just a, a really interesting thing that I saw, or a funny little thing that I saw this week. I don't know if you guys saw on social media, but uh, Slimani was back in Algeria, obviously on international duty, and there was a clip of him in his uh, barbers um, in the kind of area of Algiers where he's from. And uh, he was like filming it for his Instagram, I think. And he was having a conversation with just this random guy in the barbers who was like, yeah, why don't you play number 10 for Monaco? You know, like, I think you, 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 that, would, that would really suit you this season and stuff. I just thought it was quite, quite, quite entertaining. <laughs> I actually saw that just today, actually, yeah. when, it, when I was uh, did a bit of looking off about that. I saw it, I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. just arguing with this guy and the guy's just like, He's so intense. like, no, you've got to play there, dude. Like, that's where it is. Uh, That's so funny. Um, Monaco, I've still, you know, last year you had the Monaco curse, just where everyone that touched turned to injured. I don't know, that worked a lot better in my head. Um, (laughs) Everyone was just in the injury room. Uh, (laughs) But um, it still seems to have carried a little bit into this season. I mean, they do have a very large squad, you have to say. A lot of players that are like, okay, no, they could play in the first team, and it's a bit difficult sometimes getting them into your starting 11. Out of some of the players that aren't in and around the team right now, either just for not being selected or for injury, uh, let's say everyone's fit and everyone's available. Who would you like to see in the team a little bit more? It doesn't even need to be in place of someone else. It's just like, who would you generally like to see playing a little bit more football in Monaco's first team? Uh, I mean, some of the players that um, I've thought of uh, that haven't really been in with a shout recently for one or two reasons have been Naldo, uh, Pietro Pellegri, Daniel Subasic, Foda Balaturi, Artur Zagre, Augustin, Henry Onyekuru, Willem Goebbels and Stevan Jovatic. Uh, the three of you, uh, I'll go one by one, starting with you. Thomas, who do you think should be playing in Monaco's first team a little bit more? Who would you like to see? Yeah, I mean, at the start of the season, I was, I was um, hoping to see much more of Onyekuru. Um, but it looks like recently, uh, of an interview he's done, he, looks, he doesn't look like he's going to stay at Monaco for much longer and he, he's, he would rather go to back to Galatasaray. Um, he's really just a really interesting um, player that's just some things have not really worked out for him. He came, he developed through the, um, oh, it was a, I think it was the Erpen or Eupen Academy in Belgium. Um, they produce a lot of great um, African talent through the um, Aspire Academy who I think they're owned by uh, QSI as well. The people mm. who own uh, uh, PSG. Oh, it's it's all coming together. You can all <laughs> see the link. You know what's happening. <laughs> but uh, I think Makalele was the coach there before he went to Chelsea recently. Um, but yeah, it was Onyekuru. Uh, he, he he came through there and he was really highly touted. He went to Anderlecht and and his his career is sort of stunted in the last couple of years. And um, he's been very inconsistent player even when he was in um in Galatasaray. I mean he just got a few goals, but I mean sometimes in Turkey you have like Bavitimi Gomez scoring 
like two goals a game every game. <laughs> um, but he still did need development and, and to produce consistent performances. But unfortunately, I don't think he's going to get it at at, um, at Monaco. It's unfortunate because um, sometimes you, you hope that's going to work out better for a player. And um, with the mess that's happening at Monaco, well, the mess that's happened, um, it looks like he won't actually get on the pitch. So I've not mm. answered, answered your question, but there you go. <laughs> no, I know, I know you mean it. Onyekuru, um, I think it was at Everton as well. But you yeah, can, you can see... When, yeah. Whenever he was given the opportunity, generally in his career, it's worked out. I mean, 14 goals and 31 appearances for Galatasaray, 9 and 19 for Anderlecht, 28 and 57 for Oypen. You know, you could say something about the level of opposition, but generally he has proved himself. It's a bit of a shame that he doesn't get this opportunity at Monaco. Um, but Monaco are creating a lot right now, and Golovan has kind of nailed down that that attacking midfielder position, so it may be a little bit difficult. Um, Clinton, who would you like to see playing a little bit more for Monaco? Uh, I was going to say Harry as well. <laughs> totally not because he's Nigerian. Uh, but I think that I expected, you know, a lot from him when he made the move. Um, I was looking at him and Osimhen and thinking, okay, this is awesome. We're going to see, you know, both of them go head to head and all of that. But it just hasn't worked out for him. So I think he could do it for, you know, um, some other Ligon teams. I, I don't think he should go back to Turkey, but I think that that's where he feels at home and loved. So I, I get why he would want to go back. But um, so far, I've just been disappointed that he, he hasn't really gotten to play much. And I think he's someone that probably would have added, you know, very, um, a lot to Monaco. But at the same time, it's hard to see him, you know, get a chance, you know, ahead of Slimani, who is on fire, ahead of, you know, those guys. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't think um, he's going to get the chance. So he, he'll probably move by January. But it's been mm. disappointing, though not being able to see him, you know, strut stuff and just try to, you know, make an impression in France. Sad to see. Hmm, absolutely. And Jake, I'll, I'll finish with you. Uh, I was also going to say Onyakuru, but just for the sake of, uh, the, sake of <laughs> the sake of difference, I'll go for, well, there's, there's two, just two very brief notes on, on two players. Uh, I think it's a real shame that we've not got to see much of uh, Pietro Pellegri, yes. given the kind of hype around him, hmm. uh, moving it, moving it, what, 16 or 17 when he moved. Um, he's now 18, but really, he's. I think he's played what's he played in like six league arm matches, and he's had so many problems with injuries. So I, I just really hope that he can get fit, and you know, we can see more of this guy who was kind of touted as um, touted as the next big thing, and also a uh, uh, former Chelsea favourite or or less favourite, I suppose, by the end. But Timoué Bakayoko, who, um, who I would love to see. He's he's injured at the moment, but I'd love to see. Uh, Jardim get the get the kind of best out of him that that he was able to do when he was when the both both of them were at Monaco before because you know he was he was a I want to see that exciting kind of dynamic midfielder who uh, scored scored against uh, Juventus or Man City or whoever it was in that Champions League run and yeah see 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 him get back to his best mm, absolutely for me it's got to be just some of the 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 bought youth talents that they've seemed to invest in in terms of money, but not really on the pitch recently. Pellegri's one of them, but obviously he has had injury issues. But also, like, Artur Zagre, who's, who's signed recently, has hardly been in with a shout. Yeah. I think he's had a couple bench appearances, maybe once or twice off the bench. But, you know, like, you're buying an, an Academy Player of the Year for for PSG, you know, like, he's no slouch and you're not sending him out on loan and you're not using him in the first team. It's like, where... Where does he make a career for himself? Is he just going to stagnate again um, in France like some players have done? Uh, and also Willem Goebbels, but he's also had injury issues. It, mm. it, it's just frustrating to see these great young players have their have their career like stagnate so early on in their career. It, it, it's quite tough to see. Um, but in this match, Bordeaux versus Monaco in Bordeaux, 7th versus 11th. I want your score prediction is just before we finish. So I'll go in reverse order. Jake, what do you think this match will finish? I think we're going to see a one-all draw. Right. Clinton? 2-2. Two, 2-2, two. Two, two, like right. Like, yeah, like I know. <laughs> see, I, I used to be a little bit too optimistic about goals in France. Then I realised there's a lot less goals than you realise. Like in the French <laughs> League, there's a lot of nil-nil draws, one-nils, one-ones, all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, and Thomas, what do you think this one will finish? Nil-nil. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what we like. <laughs> um, <laughs> Game for I, the weekend, then, everyone. Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to it. I think... Ooh, I'm going to back Bordeaux in this one. I'll just say, I'm going to say 1-0 Bordeaux. I don't know. Monaco just like to disappoint you when they, when you least expect it. Uh, and that wraps us up. Thank you very much for listening. If you want more information and and articles and news on French football, you can go to getfootballnewsfrance.com. My article this week that I'm imploring you to read is the one we referenced a little bit earlier. Katie Stockwell's article on Paulo Sousa and his time at Bordeaux. Very interesting. Just talks about Bordeaux in general recently but also has tactical changes and how he's set up the team very interesting stuff uh, and please do give it a read i believe it's uh, katie stockwell's first article for the website as well but such a good read uh, and once again thank you very much for listening uh, thank you jake thomas clinton thank you lewis as well someone's got to say it thank you uh, lewis. and oh, thank you jake <laughs> thank you um and we'll see you next week in the preview show. I don't think it'll be myself hosting. It'll be Pierre Paul Birmingham because it's my birthday. Uh, you know, get, uh, hey, get it in. Yeah, happy birthday. What are you saying? Um, Tweet yes, him, everyone. Yeah, get it in, honestly. At Luther Park, get it um, Yeah, so Pierre Paul Birmingham, who usually does the news show on a Tuesday, is going to be taking the reins for that one. So you can get a, get a break from my voice for another week. Uh, but anyway, thank you very much for listening. And I'll I'll be sure to see you soon. Thank you very much.